Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for October 26, 2023. I'm teaching a series on the parables of Jesus, and yesterday I introduced you to the parable of the prodigal son. This is a very familiar parable, and we're going to go back to it again today. We're going to learn some things about God, his grace, his love, his mercy, his favor. We're also going to learn some things about family and family dynamics (laughs) and things that happen within a family and how recipients of God's grace should become extenders of God's grace. But before I do that, let me just say this. I know that there was a a mass shooting in Maine. We just finished praying. Those of us that were on the pre-stream, you know, the live stream, we we prayed for Maine. I ask you to continue to pray for that community, that the, the power and the love and the grace of God, the mercy of God will be manifested there. And then later on today, Isabella and I are going to a homegoing service where we're going to celebrate the life of one of our church members who went on to be with the Lord. Let me just say this. Life is but a vapor. You could be here today and gone today. So make the most of the short time that God has given you on this planet. I thank you for tuning in to today's word. I want you to open up your heart now to receive what God is about to deposit in your life. God bless you. Get ready for it. All right, so here we go. We're going to get into it. This is Pearls from the Parables, part 86. Man, we are 86 messages into this series, uh, and I'm dealing with the prodigal son. This is part two. Before we get into the prodigal son, Psalms 126 and verse four is a scripture we've been looking at all year. We believe at our church that this is a season of refreshing and restoring for us, and we've been standing on this verse. This is what the Bible says. Now, Lord, do it again. Say, Lord, do it again. Do it again for me. Restore us to the former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until dry hearts are drenched again. If there's any area of your life that's dried up in this season, God is going to refresh you again. Put in the chat, no dry areas for me. So this is the parable of the prodigal son. And then later, um, I'm going to provide you the context and all of that. Uh, but but yeah, the, even the context is really important. Uh, where there was a, a, a lost coin, a lost sheep, and then now a lost son, all right? So we're dealing with all of that. We'll deal with that later. Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11, this is what the Bible says. To, to illustrate the point further, where what Jesus was talking about, he said, okay, look, a man had two sons. The youngest son said to his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide the wealth between both of his sons. So because this younger son wanted the money, he had to disrupt the whole family and give the inheritance to both sons. He didn't have to do it, but he chose to do it. He honored the son's request. A few days later, the younger son said, okay, I got the money now. He packed up all of his belongings and moved off to a distant land where he wasted all the money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, just like that, as soon as his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him out there to work in the fields with pigs. And and he was a Jew. Jews don't touch swine or pigs or none of that. But the young man was so hungry that even the pig slop was looking good to him. And so the Bible says no one gave him anything to eat. He was out there by himself. He had made poor decisions. He had wasted all of his money. He was no longer under his father's house or his father's covering or his father's protection or his father's provision. And nobody looked out for him. He was starving to where pig slop was looking good to him. 
and no one gave him anything to eat. Okay, there, there you go out there, you big, bad, and bold. You want to make your own decisions, go ahead. When he finally came to himself, he said, you know what? He, <laughs> the servants, like I've been raised in my father's house and we have servants. We have people on staff at home and the people on staff at home have plenty of food to eat. Why am I over here dying of hunger? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home. I know I messed up. So I'm going to say to my daddy, look, daddy, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. If, if it's okay with you, can I get a job? So he returned home to his father. And while he was a still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And his father was, was full of love and joy and compassion. And he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him on the neck. And he said, while he's doing it, the boy was like rehearsing. He was like, Daddy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, this is what I'm going to say. Uh, I, I messed up. Uh, uh, can I, I, I've sinned against you. Can I, can I, okay, okay, this is what I'm going to say. And so when his father was kissing him, he was like, daddy, daddy, I'm sorry. I messed up. I sinned against heaven. I sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I know what that feels like. I'm like, God, I, I know, I know I messed up. But the father said to his son, man, boy, shut up. You know, you're not a slave. You're not a servant. You're a son. The father said to his servants, quick, bring me the robe, bring me the ring, put it back on him. Listen, I, get sandals, put it back on his feet, kill the fatted calf. I want to have a party. I want to have a feast. This is my son. He was dead and now he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And then the party began. And meanwhile, the older son was out there working. And so he was doing what he was always doing. He was faithful. He was dedicated. He was working. So when he got home, he heard the music. He heard the dancing. He said to his one of his servants, what's going on and the brother hey your brother is home your brother yeah and your brother is back and your father has killed the fatted calf and your brother is uh, your father is throwing a party and we have a celebration on his behalf and the older brother got angry and he wouldn't even go into the party so the father came out and said what happened he said well all these years i've been slaving supporting you honoring you. You're my father. Never once have I refused any single thing you've asked me to do. And in all of that time, you've never even killed a goat for me. You've never even thrown a party for me or my friends. Yet when this joker that took your money and went out there, squandered all your money on prostitutes, you're going to celebrate by killing a fatted calf? And the father said to him, come here, boy. Listen, son, you've always been with me. You've always been faithful to me. And I want you to know that everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this day because your brother was dead and now he's back. He was lost and now he's found. So what does this mean for you today? Listen, I'm going to take my time through this parable and it's going to take us some time to go through this because there's a lot of dynamics going on. But I have a few things to share with you in this morning. I wrote out like six things and, and I, that was just too much. So I'm giving you three today. I'll give you three tomorrow. So as I continue to introduce the parable of the prodigal son, uh, put in the chat, I'm ready to receive. This is where I need you to, to rid your heart and mind of all distractions. I'm still laying the foundation. I'm still setting the stage because there's levels and levels and levels of revelation in the story. In part one yesterday, I told you that we were transitioning from the tangible uh, to the intangible, right? Because we have been studying money, 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 parables about money. That's tangible. Now we're getting to the intangible, love and grace and mercy and peace and forgiveness and family dynamics and people getting upset and all of that. And all of this happens in a family. And so the family is what teaches you like how to mature, how to develop, uh, how to have relationships. The younger son 
I mean, this dude was just disrespectful. And I'm going to talk about that today. He took the money. He went off. He went out there into the world. So today, let's take it a little bit further and let's deal with the struggles and all of that the boy had. So I have three things to share with you in this morning. As I get into these three things, I want you to open up your heart to receive. All right. Here's number one. The younger son's request disrupted the family in a major way. Listen, if you have children, there's going to be times where one of your children will do something that will disrupt the whole family. And it may disrupt it in a major way. And of course, you as a parent, you know, you, you, you're trying to deal with that one child, but the actions of that one child is causing a disruption for all the children and really the, the whole household. So let me talk about, and you as a parent, you have the grace to parent. Parenting is not easy, right? But it is super duper rewarding and it's our responsibility and it's a blessing. Say it's a blessing. Put in the in the chat, I have the grace to be a parent. Even if you're parenting adult children, you're still parenting, all right? So this was a premature demand. Let me make sure you understand the cultural context of the time. During that time, with Jewish people, asking for the inheritance before the parent's death was like asking for them to be dead. Like this was super duper insulting. This was very disrespectful. And this guy, this young boy, had a tremendous disregard for his family, for the sanctity of the family, for the family bonds, and also for the traditions of his people. The Jewish people in, in, in Judaism, the traditions run deep. So for this young man to not only ask his father to break tradition, but to do so in a way that was related to his father's death was very disrespectful. And then the father said, okay, fine. If I'm going to distribute, I need to distribute to you and to your brother. So now the brother's like, wait a minute. Why why, why am I getting money? I didn't even ask for that yet. I, I, I want to be honorable. I can wait till you die. This is not right. This joke is, you know, why, why are you pulling me in? And so it causes all of this type of turmoil in the family. There's a lot of things that I could point out here, but let me point out a few. The love of the father was amazing. In this parable, Leading up to this, Jesus talked about the parable of a lost sheep. He talked about the parable of a lost coin and all of the, the work that would go into finding that lost item. And then we're talking about a lost son. And in all three, we're talking about the love of God and the grace of God. The love of the father was amazing to the point where he did not allow the disrespect that this boy was showing towards him to impact the love that he had towards, towards the boy. And that's a glimpse of the love that God has for us. Put in the chat, God loves me, sometimes despite me. Sometimes God has to love me despite me, despite what I do, how I treat him, what I say, the actions I take. You know, Even though I say one thing and do something else, God loves me with an unconditional love. Even though, here's a point I need to make as a parent, even though the father knew that the boy was making a mistake, the father did not stop the boy. And this is a great lesson for us in parenting uh, because in Proverbs, there's a few Proverbs that deal with this principle, that when you, when you seek to save somebody from the repercussions of their decisions, you're not really saving them. You're going to have to continue to do that because you're not letting them learn the lesson that decisions and actions have consequences. Now, I'm not talking about doing that for little children. When, when your children are super young, of course, you have to shield and protect them because 
there's a, a term that's been coined, young and dumb, for a reason, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, they just don't know better. If they don't know better, you got to shield and protect them and cover them for making mistakes that, you know, they just don't need to make. But at some point, young people need to understand the consequences of their decisions and their actions. And if you shield and protect them from all the consequences of their decisions and their actions, then all you're doing is prolonging it because then you're going to have to continue to be that the firefighter. You're going to have to continue to put out the fires if you're always putting out the fires. At some point, you have to let them deal with the consequences of their decisions. This father knew that this was not a good idea. But the father didn't stop him. The father allowed the boy to go through the experience that he needed to go, go through. Even though he was not making a good decision, the father wanted him to learn it for himself. I, let, I could go on here, but let me just say this. The premature decision by the premature demand that the young man made, it disrupted the whole family and it caused him to learn a lesson that I'm sure he would never ever forget. So when people say, oh, Brother Pena, I'm doing this. And I say, well, did, are you being led? Did God say? Well, I'm sure it's God because if it worked, you know, you know, everything works out. You know, I believe everything happens for a reason. So if, if, if this is not God, I'm sure God will stop me. Oh no. When people say stuff like that, I'm like, whoa, stop. Hold on for a minute. Let me holler at you real quick. If you think God is going to stop you from making a mistake, then you don't know God. If you think that God is just going to stop, put in the chat, God doesn't always stop me. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit will tell you no. The Holy Spirit will tell you no. He will put a check in your spirit. He will tell you that you're making a mistake. He will tell you don't go down there. Warning, warning, warning. But if you still stubbornly, if you're stiff-necked, if you're hard-headed and you want to do it anyway, God is not going to stop you. When Adam was eating the fruit, God didn't knock it out of his hand. If you decide to be disrespectful, dishonorable, or make a, dis a mistake, you are a free moral agent. The Holy Spirit will talk to you and tell you not to do it. But if you decide to do it, let me tell you, God is not going to stop you. And God will allow you to deal with the repercussions of your decisions. He will let you experience the consequences. And when you're tired of the consequences, he will be waiting on you when you come back, when you repent. Say amen to that. God will be, now God is going to love you through it all. God is not going to hold your future uh, hostage to the mistakes of your past. God, you can't, what God will say, don't judge your future by, I still want to bless you. I still want to love you. I'm still going to do what I said I'm going to do in your life. I already knew you were going to make the mistakes. I'm not holding it against you and all of that. But God is not going to stop you. If you want to make a dumb decision and you want to, and, and, and that decision is going to lead to negative consequences, you are going to have to deal with those ne negative consequences. Now, God will just be waiting on you when you come back from it. And God will be waiting on, on you with open arms because he loves you. But listen, you got to make sure that you are making good decisions because your decisions and your actions, they matter. Put in the chat, my decisions and my actions matter. Now, the boy in this text wanted premature independence. Now, I know that many in the United States of America live under the understanding or the tradition that when your children turn 18, they're grown, they need to leave the house, they need to go figure out life for themselves. I figured out life, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps, go out there and figure out life for yourself. That's not the Jewish tra tradition and that's not what we see in the Bible at all. In the Bible, there were many people 
who lived with their parents until they were 40. Uh, and then they went out and found someone and got married. And I'm not saying I want my kids to be in my house till I'm 40, but I'm just saying that when I was younger, I had a different understanding of this. Um, I really kind of took on the concept of the United States. Like, you know, you 18, my kids grow up. And they, my kids grow in two directions. I used to say up and out, and you know, but now I have a different understanding. Yeah, I mean, I realized that at 18, 19, 20, you don't know what you're doing. And so, so no, under this Jewish tradition, they stayed with their parents, especially the women. You could forget it. The women ain't going nowhere till they get married. But I'm saying even the men stayed with their parents until they were ready to get married. And so this young man wanted to break that tradition. He wanted independence prematurely. The boy's request wasn't just about money. It was about trying to live his life on his own. He wanted to live away from his parents. He wanted to get away from the guidance and the oversight of his father. And this, this mirrors us sometimes where we think we know better than God, right? And we try to make our own decisions and we're big, bad, and bold and, you know, single, sexy, and free, making my own money and want to go out there and do your, okay, fine. But just know that there's, there's repercussions to this. And, and when you get tired, God will still be waiting on you. You know, so, so many children uh, uh, go through these phases. I heard this said, and I'm going to repeat it. Many children go through these three phases with their parents. They idolize them when they're young. So when you're young, you idolize. Oh my God, your parents can do nothing wrong. You love your parents. They're amazing, right? Then at some point, especially in the United States, then they demonize them. Oh, you know, even in the U.S. is un, is not uh, uncommon for a teenager to say to their parents, I hate you, you know, and that's the culture of the U.S. and all of this mess that gets into these kids' minds and hearts. But they go from idolize to demonize. And then later when they grow up and they go out there in real life and they have real life experiences, then they humanize. Then they come back and be like, you know what? My parents, my mom, my dad was just doing the best they could. And they gave me, and now that I realize that looking back, man, they did a good job. And then they come back and be like, okay, hey mom, hey dad, I really appreciate you. Now that I think about it, sorry, you know, and then they, then they humanize. And so, so yeah, this story, we're going to see all of that. Like, you know, this is a story about family. This is a story about family dynamics and all of that. There's a cost for, for rebellion. Like, even though the father loved him and he caused all of this type of turmoil, he still let him go out there and the boy had to deal with the consequences of his decisions. So it's amazing that while the boy caused all of this strife at home, the father still loved him. Put in the chat, the father still loves me. Number two, let's talk about the dangers of worldly pleasures. If anyone tells you that sin is not pleasant, then that, prob that person probably was never committed to sin. I, I don't know about you, but when I was a sinner, I was good at it. When I was a sinner, I, I, I was good at it. And so, so no, I enjoyed sin. When I was a, a sinner, I anything I do, I'm going to do it all the way. I never, never have step because I'm not a half stepper. That's an old rap song. And it said, and if you want to call me, you can call me Dr. Pepper. But when I was in, in something, I was in it all the way. I, I'm never halfway at nothing. So when I was in the world, I was in the world. And pretty Ricky, what they call him. That's what they used to call me. But now I'm born again. Obviously, I'm living a different life. But here's my point. Um, sin brings temporary satisfaction. This boy had to learn, when, and same thing I learned when I was in the world, that sin can only bring temporary satisfaction. The allure of the world always looks better than what it actually is. You go out there and be like, oh, man, this is what I'm going to do. But that stuff is not truly satisfying. 
That that stuff, it brings you momentary fulfillment. The boy lived out there. And like the brother said, you spent all your money on prostitutes. The boy went out there and did a bunch of stuff. He was living crazy. He's living wild. And then he realized, you know what? This is not what it's all hyped up to be. When I was at home, I had it better than, than what I have right here. Like he thought that he was getting freedom when he was going out there to live in sin. But true freedom is found in Christ Jesus. Put in the chat, true freedom is found in Christ Jesus. I am free from the bondage of sin. I am free from the power and the fear of death. And so now I am truly free. Now I am free in Christ. And so I'm so free that I'm free to be the man that God has called me to be. If you are born again, you are actually free. Now, let me say this about sinning once you're born again. If you're born again and you want to go do sin, if you really are born again, then sin is not going to unravel your righteousness, meaning that you're not going to lose your salvation. But let me put this in the chat. Sin will not unravel my righteousness, but it may unravel my life because there are consequences to sin. So sin may not unravel your righteousness, but sin may unravel your life. Your choices and your decisions, your actions, they have consequences. So if you make the wrong decision, you might go out there and get temporary grat uh, gratification or satisfaction and, and all of that, but it's temporary. It's not real. The, the, the enduring grace and love of God is what you get in Christ Jesus. The late, great Dr. Miles Monroe said, that you, the reason why he didn't have sex before marriage is because he studied consequences. So you, you need as a believer to study consequences. He says, listen, he studied the consequences. He said, I can have a baby. I don't want, you know, and I see my friends now they got to get a job. Their whole life is messed up. You know, they can't, they can't do what they wanted to do. I could get an STD and I, oh, I don't know if I want to deal with that. I, I could have soul ties and now I'm, you know, I, no, 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 no. He studied the consequences of sex before marriage. And as a result, he didn't have sex before marriage. As a believer, you need to study the consequences. Listen, God has made you a free moral agent. You could do whatever you want, but you need to study the consequences because even though you're born again, if you do something, whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. You being born again filled with the Holy Spirit does not mean that God is going to cause you to be exonerated from your consequences. You're going to have to deal with it. And then lastly, number three, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit late this morning over on time. So let's close this out with number three, the power of humility and repentance. The boy hit rock bottom. So you don't want to hit rock. Don't wait till you hit rock bottom to repent. The boy was out there with pigs looking at pig slop before he repented. Don't wait. Repentance is not just about saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is about going in the opposite direction. The boy had to get up, clean himself off, and go home. Repentance is not, God, I'm sorry. Repentance, you show me your repentance in your actions. Put in the chat, repentance is about going in a different direction. God loves you with an unconditional love. He's ready to receive you. He's ready to bless you. He's ready to forgive you. He, the father ran out and hugged his son, kissed him on the neck, threw a party. The father will do all of that, but just know that that's coming after you repent. You need to repent Come back to God, rededicate your life to him, and he will welcome you with open arms. There's a lot to cover in this parable. That's enough for today. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and speak this over your life. Say this. Say, Father, this is a season of refreshing and restoring for me. I thank you, Father, for your boundless love, your grace, and your mercy towards me. I know that my choices will shape my future. So I seek your wisdom in every decision. I recognize that worldly pleasure only brings temporary satisfaction. 
So I get lasting fulfillment in Christ Jesus, your son. I am free from sin, not to sin. And when I do make a mistake and I repent, I thank you, Father, for receiving me with open arms. I am committed to studying the consequences so that I can make decisions that line up with your will. I will not wait to hit rock bottom before I turn back to you. I'm committed to living a life that reflects your love and grace, and I will not be swayed or tempted by the things of this world. I thank you, Father, for not holding my future hostage to my past. Living with this mindset, I know greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word. Tomorrow, I'm going to have another one. Please apply it and prosper. Listen, I know if you're not getting my notes, you should go to todaysword.org. You get my notes for free. Click on the big red subscribe button, put in your email address. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. Listen, I know that it's you know, a lot of you would prefer for me to just jump on here and talk about messages. God is going to bless you. God, you know, God wants to favor you. God is going to open doors for you. I got it. But I have to teach what the word says. And you know what the word teaches? The word teaches that there's consequences to your decisions. The word teaches that sin is fleeting and we're free not to sin. We're free from sin. And so we need to learn how to repent when we do something wrong, come back to God, receive his love and grace and then move forward. With God is forward ever, backward never, the best is yet to come. I love you. God loves you more. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Do me a favor. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, do it right now. Hit like and subscribe, and then share this message on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. Leave me some comments in the chat if this message was a blessing to you. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you. If you enjoyed this content and you would like to know more about our ministry or you would like to partner with us in what we're doing in the Caribbean, being a blessing to Haitian children in the Dominican Republic, then please go to ripministries.org. You'll be able to find out more information there. And if you'd like to make a donation, all the donations are tax deductible in the United States. A few months ago, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to set up a coaching and mentorship program, and Isabella and I set that up. And so now we make ourselves available on three different levels for those that want access to us and to learn things about maximizing your potential, increasing your personal productivity, and fulfilling your life's purpose. If you're interested in that, go to patreon.com forward slash Rick Pina. And then lastly, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to write several books and journals to help people grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please go to rickpina.co if you don't have our material, and there's also apparel there as well. Listen, thank you for being a blessing to us. We pray that our ministry will continue to be a blessing to you.